So has there been enough rain for you lately? So these past days, Vancouver has been living up to its name. It's sometimes called uh, Raincouver, or the West Coast we call the Wet Coast. And so we're used to having a lot of rain, obviously, here in Vancouver. And for this reason, it can be a little bit difficult to understand the imagery that is used in the first reading and the Gospel. The image that we hear in both the first reading and the Gospel is the image of a wilderness or of a desert. And Vancouver is many things, but it is rarely a desert, especially at this time of year. So it can be difficult for us to appreciate this very rich image that we find really throughout all the Bible. Some years ago, I had the opportunity to study in Jerusalem. And so I had the chance to kind of walk around where the gospel was supposed to happen today by the Jordan River in really what is the Judean desert. And so being there in the desert was kind of an interesting experience for me. And maybe some of you had had that opportunity to be in a desert somewhere. It's a strange kind of feeling to be in a desert because on the one hand, deserts feel a bit dangerous. You know, okay, if you get caught out there at night or without water, that bad things could happen. So it can be a place where there's danger, a place of trial. A desert can seem so barren. On the other hand, when you're kind of in the wilderness or the desert, it can also be a peaceful place. It can seem quite quiet. And when I was in the desert there, I noticed also kind of signs of life that were around. You have, of course, the Jordan River that goes through the desert, and there is some vegetation that grows. And when you see kind of a little sprout of vegetation coming from the soil, maybe between some rocks, it's a sign of new life coming from barrenness, a sign of hope. The desert then, when we're in a desert, we see that it's kind of two-sided, a two-sided image, an image on the one hand of suffering, but also an image of hopefulness, of rebirth, of, re- of renewal, of salvation that comes. And when we look at the Bible, we see, and especially in the first reading in the Gospel, that the image or theme of wilderness or desert carries with it these kind of two faces. It's a two-sided metaphor, we could say. So on the one hand, then, the wilderness or the desert is a place of suffering, a place of trial. And this comes across in both the first reading and the gospel. In the first reading from the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah is speaking to a people again in exile in Babylon, about 550 years before the birth of Jesus. And it, of course, is a desert or wilderness experience for them. They're suffering, they're separated from their people and their homeland, and they're really in agony. They're crying out to God for help. Their experience in Babylon during the exile then was very much a desert experience in that it was a time of suffering. In the gospel today, we heard the start of Mark's gospel, which in Mark's gospel, as we know, there is no infancy narratives like in Matthew or Luke. It doesn't start with the birth of Jesus, but rather the preaching of John the Baptist in the desert, in the wilderness. So Mark's gospel then starts in the desert. And this is an important message for us. Because at Jesus' time, the people of Israel, like at the time of the prophet Isaiah in Babylon, were also in a desert or wilderness experience. They were suffering, now not under the oppression of the Babylonian Empire, but under the Roman Empire. So we know, of course, that Jesus' people, at the time when Jesus was alive, was oppressed by the Roman government, by Pontius Pilate. They didn't have liberty, they didn't have their land, 
They were longing for a king. They were longing for true freedom. So therefore, in the gospel today, when John the Baptist appears on the scene, the people are really in a wilderness, just as literally they're coming to the desert to meet John the Baptist. They're suffering. They're at a time of trial. This then is one side of this desert image. It's an image or metaphor for suffering and for struggle. On the other hand, and we always have to keep this in mind, I think when we think of deserts or wilderness, in the Bible, the wilderness is a place where you should expect God to help you. You should expect God to take care of you. This ultimately makes the wilderness a symbol or metaphor for hope. And this comes across so strongly in the first reading that we heard today. Isaiah talks about this message of comfort. Comfort my people. God is going to save us from Babylon just as God saved our ancestors from slavery in Egypt. The prophet Isaiah fills people with hope and comfort that God will soon come and deliver them, lead them to salvation, lead them back to Jerusalem. And this then is the message too of John the Baptist that he cries out in the wilderness. John the Baptist is preparing the people for the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, who in the midst of their desert, their wilderness experience, is coming to liberate them, is coming to establish this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven, where God's rule will be over all, where there will be true and lasting justice and lasting peace. The wilderness, the desert then, is a metaphor also for caring, for God's salvation. People in the wilderness suffer, for sure, but they know that when they're in the wilderness, God is going to save them. Therefore, the wilderness is a message for hope. Today, we've lit the second candle of our Advent wreath, and maybe in lighting this second candle, we can be reminded, in view of the readings today, about the importance of hope in our life as followers of Jesus, this important virtue of hope. We hear in the readings today about people in wilderness who God will save. This encourages us to think about the different ways that we might be in the wilderness, maybe personally, some struggle that we're going through, or struggles in our family, struggles in our larger community, this place of wilderness where things can seem barren, things can seem lifeless, a bit hopeless. But the gospel today especially reminds us that when we're in the wilderness, God will always come to save us, God will come to help us. For this reason, we're inspired to have hope. Hope, as I mentioned, is an important virtue. We say it's one of the three theological virtues, these gifts that come from God, faith, hope, and love. And hope is not something that is naive. Hope is not thinking, okay, everything will just turn out in the end. Hope really is rooted in faith, rooted in our relationship with Jesus, that we trust regardless of what will happen, Jesus will come to help us. Someone who spoke in our recent, well, recent years, very powerfully about hope uh, was Bishop Desmond Tutu. So you know he was a bishop um, uh, in South Africa, an Anglican bishop, during apartheid. So he was very much a promoter of human rights. But he went through a lot of suffering, suffering of his people, suffering for himself personally. And in the midst of this, Bishop Desmond always proclaimed a message of hope. And he would say that hope is believing that there is light, even when all we see is darkness. Hope then is something very much rooted in our hearts, it's this faith, this belief that God will always come to save us, regardless of how dark things may seem. In the gospel today, John the Baptist tells us 
to prepare the way for Jesus. Therefore, there are things we can do in our life to strengthen our hope in the Lord that he brings us salvation. Hope in the end is rooted in a relationship, and the closer the relationship we have with that person, the more we have hope for them. So kind of an image I was thinking of is that of a child. A child might be running along and then fall to the ground and cry out for one of their parents to help them. They might say, Mommy, Daddy, come and help me. This child has a great hope that their parent is going to come and pick them up, assist them and help them. And this hope is not naive. This hope is rooted in their relationship. They know that with what has happened before, when they've been in trouble before, their parent was always going to be there to help them. Therefore, they have this hope that the parent will continue to be there to save them. We too need to strengthen our hope in God by strengthening our relationship with Jesus. And Advent is a time for us to do this, a time to deepen our prayer, to deepen our reflection on the sacred scriptures, to repent in different ways, as John the Baptist calls us, maybe by taking advantage of the sacrament of reconciliation. When we strengthen our hope with Jesus, when we strengthen our relationship with him, then the hope we have that he will come to save us when we are in the desert will increase more and more. This Sunday then, this second Sunday of Advent, calls us to strengthen hope in our life. Hope really is kind of something we know about, we experience, but it's also something difficult to describe. It's something interior that gives us life, that points us to a brighter future. Because of hope, the elusiveness of this, sometimes hope is described better by poetry. So I would just like to leave you with a poem from Emily Dickinson, who died around the year 1885. And in this beautiful uh, poem, she describes hope as being like a bird within our souls. So the title of this poem is, Hope is the Thing with Feathers. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me.